Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SEP, where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Product. I'm your host, Zach Darnell. My guest today, Mr. Mike Seidel. Uh, Mike is the CTO and co-founder at an Indianapolis-based company, PivotCX. They uh, really focus on candidate experience and candidate hiring for companies. And really, their their claim to fame is uh, dramatically uh, decreasing the time to hire for companies that you'll you'll hear on the show by bringing both uh, technology and a little bit of a human touch to the way that they engage with uh, potential candidates for customers. And they have really found during the pandemic that having a little bit of that human touch along with better technology is really the the perfect mix to find better candidates, get them through the hiring process faster, and getting them onboarded as quickly as, as, po- as quickly as possible. They've done a really good job with that during the pandemic, and you'll hear more about their journey, uh, the things that they learned during the pandemic on the show. So without further ado, let's hop in. Tell me about like the recruiting space and the problems that you see and maybe some of the uh, opportunities that you saw that that really uh, inspired starting Pivot CX. Well, I'll start with a little before Pivot CX. We actually were a totally different company. Okay. And we had started this thing called Work Here, and we were trying to kind of be the Yelp for jobs. So we had a map a map-based mobile app and show you where all the jobs were near you. It was really, really, oh, really cool. And then um, COVID hit. Yeah. And all of our customers, except for three, canceled. Mm-hmm. And and we uh, looked at those three customers and go, what are we doing for them that they like? Yeah. And it turns out we were really helping them accelerate their recruiting process. We were helping them go faster and do so with a much more human touch. Mm-hmm. And the results were were really phenomenal. So what we did is we took the entire company and pivoted, uh, hence the name to pivot CX. Uh, the whole idea is change candidate experience. And we really became, went from being a kind of a mobile job board with an, an app to, to really being a candidate experience company where we were allowed, really going out and looking at how do we make the whole job experience better for the candidate? Mm-hmm. And then how do we help these employers um, keep up? You know, we were going through COVID where people were doing waves of layoffs and then rehires and layoffs and hires. And the labor market wasn't helping because people were being laid off and they were finding jobs somewhere else. And so um, really what we're doing now is focused on a faster, better candidate experience that makes it so you can hire people in two or three days. That's fat. Love the name. Very on the nose. Now, the, not understanding that history, that's that's a lot of fun. I think sometimes companies overthink their name a little bit and it was just perfect nuanced timing there. And we might go through another wave of it again here with some of the recent tech layoffs that have been going on with the current market. And heck, in six to 12 months, we might, they might go through another hiring phase. Who knows? Well, I, just looking at the economy and looking at the numbers, um, you know, even Jerome Powell will tell you that unemployment is too low. Mm-hmm. And even though we go through layoffs, if uh, we double the unemployment rate, 
will still be considered fully employed. Yeah. We'll be under 4%. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 <laughs> so kind it's of crazy. a unique world that we're in right now. It really is. And when I look at tech layoffs, it, it kind of blows my mind a little bit because you you would uh, think that people would be thinking about, you know, if I lay this person off, what next? Mm-hmm. And the what next is that person goes and finds a job in a week or two. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They're not staying out of work for long. No, and truth be told, it 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 the the you know, fame companies and larger tech companies that are going through these layoffs right now, it really helps us out. I mean, we're 150 people here in Indy, and it's hard to find people because it's hard to compete with those companies sometimes. So actually, I'm excited about some of it because it makes our hiring just a little, maybe a little bit easier. Well, the layoffs make it a lot easier for us to help our clients for uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean, when you have companies that that go ahead and and cut 12 percent of their development team or whatever, mm-hmm. there there are so many open positions and have been for yeah. for two three years. So a little bit of musical chairs is probably what's going to happen. So do you think that? Um, uh, obviously, crystal ball here. Uh, you you think here in the coming months it'll 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 level out a little bit, you know, maybe maybe a year ish. I know nobody can really predict anything because it's so volatile right now. I think what we're seeing is just the Great Migration 2.0. Okay. I just think this is the next the next wave of that. Mm-hmm. Underlying everything in the market, and the, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing with my business is that uh, we hit a demographic shift about three years ago, and then COVID kind of hid this from everybody because we all think COVID's the reason why things got crazy. Oh. The reality is that uh, the colleges and universities hadn't been producing enough people with the skills that businesses need. Fascinating. We have had a huge rise of this whole boot camp industry. I mean, you you probably mm, oh see yeah. it all the time. You put oh out yeah. a junior developer job and you've got 48 boot camp grads yeah. all, all applying for it. The uh, The reality is that we just haven't produced enough computer programmers. We haven't produced enough nurses. Mm. We haven't produced enough truck drivers. Yeah. We um, So as you look at those, those numbers, um, behind the scenes where we're at is we're – fundamentally just don't have enough people to fill the jobs where there are orders for the work. And and so um, it's tremendous time to be uh, in the labor force. You know, wages are going up really quickly. Um, Some of it's inflation. Some of it is just wages are going up. So it's competitive out there. And I think a lot of companies are starting to realize this is a long-term situation. It's not going to go away next year. You know, even if we have a wave of layoffs, okay, so it gets easier to hire for a couple months, we'll be right back to where we are. That's fair. Pretty quickly. That's fair. So uh, I want to go back to the to the moment you guys pivoted. You yeah, mentioned yeah. that you had uh, three customers that that stayed on board. Tell me about how you um, how you navigated learning from those three customers to then find the pivot. What did, what did you see? Maybe tell me a little bit about what was your mindset and maybe approach to, to figuring that out? Well, the um, the first thing that we did really was go to the three customers that didn't cancel and, and really talk to them about what was important about what we're doing mm-hmm. and how can we do whatever that was better. Mm-hmm. And it turned out, and, and I'm almost embarrassed to talk about this part of it, it turned out we had developed some software that just wasn't very good. Our, our app was so bad that we actually had hired some interns to do chat and operate the software so the customers didn't have to. Ah, <laughs> a little mechanical turking, huh? We were doing some mechanical turking, yeah. and, and it was kind of a stopgap until we could fix some things I, in I the think code. That's, I think that's probably more common than, than we even realize. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, if you can't fix it with code, fix it with people. Right, right. Um, 
but uh, we, we had that going on. And, and it turns out the places where we were really using the services of our interns were where uh, the three clients were that stayed with us. So what was going on is we were chatting with candidates right after they had applied for a job. Now, originally, they were, had applied through our app. And we started looking at going to, back to our customers going, hey, what if we went ahead and just made it so if somebody applied on Indeed, mm-hmm. we would talk to them right away. Every candidate gets a live conversation with a human being every time within a couple minutes. Would that help you out? And, and the customers we had, one of them was in the trucking industry. It's, uh, if we think hiring developers is tough, you got to see what it's like hiring a truck driver. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, developers, it's all about skills and getting the right the right yeah. skills and all that uh, with uh truck drivers, finding somebody with a clean driving record mm-hmm. and who, who is available to start when you need them is super hard. Wow. It made a real difference for them. We had a couple other clients. It was a similar situation. And where, where the real value was, was we were able to take every candidate that applied, give them a really immediate and immediate human to human experience, mm-hmm. and then um, kind of transition that into screening. You know, recruiting is one of these businesses everybody talks about. It's about finding candidates. And the truth is about 10% of it's about finding people and about 90% is about screening. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you yeah, know, we yeah. go get people hyped up about coming to work for us. Mm-hmm. And then we we put them through the gauntlet. And the whole reason we're doing that is to screen out the ones we shouldn't right. hire. Right. Yeah. And so uh, we started moving more and more of the screening up front to that initial conversation. And what we discovered was... We could take a candidate that might take four or five weeks to get through the gauntlet, and we could front load the, the gauntlet yeah. and get them through it in a day or two. Oh, wow. And, well, and it, it probably reduces the overall time investment, I would imagine. Massively. Yeah. And we spend a lot less time chasing people down and reminding people to do things and, and trying to schedule interviews and reschedule interviews and all of that. You know, we, they apply, you know, somebody applies, we say hi. Um, the first thing that happens is the candidate actually remembers they applied for that job. <laughs> oh, and, oh, yeah, because I would imagine some people just apply for 100 things. They do. Like, oh, I forgot about this one. Oh, yeah, and the average time it takes between when somebody applies for a job and when a recruiter calls them back across all industries is about two and a half weeks. Wow. Do you think that's mostly because recruiters are just inundated or it just it takes time for internal processes and you know, where, where do you think the two and a half weeks lead time comes from? It's 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 kind of an all of the above problem. You have inefficient internal processes. How long does it take between when you identify, hey, I need to hire somebody, and when the job ads are are out, <laughs> when the recruit when the sourcers start sourcing, how long does that take? Um, then there's the whole how do you handle those applicants? You know, if you're dealing with active candidates that are applying. How quickly are you going to respond to them or do you batch them up? And most companies still operate very much in batch mode on recruiting. The workflow kind of looks like um, somebody goes and gets a pile of files out of their file cabinet, puts it on the left corner of their desk, reads the resumes until they got a little smaller stack on the right corner. Then the next step is to start trying to contact those people. And that process can take weeks. And and it to get efficiency, what the recruiters do is they batch it up. So instead of engaging with a candidate right after they apply, mm-hmm. they wait until they've got 20, 30, 40 resumes to read. And then they read all the resumes and pick the good ones. Then they start calling. And now what you find out is everybody took a job somewhere already that you want to talk to. Yeah, makes Now sense. you go back to your pile of rejects and go, maybe I'll take the best of the worst. I have interviewed people. I have tried to recruit in, in the past. Uh, but really just for my teams. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't know that I've ever sat in the recruiting group of a company. 
all of that makes sense. Although I don't know that I could have explained it like that, you know, prior to hearing it from you. Yeah. Re- recruiters have a really tough job. Yeah. They, they, they're one of the last positions I, I see out there. You know, if you go look at sales teams and how sales works, the salespeople a long time ago got this new person called a business development rep, this new whole new idea. We had CRM systems that came around and then it's like, wait a minute, I don't have to have a sales rep that manages everything from meeting people, you know, finding people to sell to, prospecting all the way through to delivering the proposal and closing it. I can hire specialists to handle the beginning of that process. And then that same specialist can help keep the sales rep on track as they go through the process. So if they miss a meeting or whatever, we're keeping it rescheduled and we're not losing the deal. The recruiters don't have anything like that. Uh, A lot of recruiters are being asked to do everything from sourcing the candidates, making contact, presenting offers, coordinating internally with hiring managers, which takes probably 30, 40% of their time. That, like scheduling the actual interviews, making sure that everybody, yeah, yeah. I mean, that we, we so at SCP, um, Kyle Pinches is our head of recruiting. And yeah. He is involved in every stage uh, of that process, even, even first day onboarding tours and uh, you know, some of that onboarding for each individual person that comes in our door, like it's a, it's a very big job. It is, it's important. And, and the thing that's funny about that is there's so many tasks that are, are important that we ask our recruiters to do that. There's one thing that they don't have time to do actually talk to people who are interested in working for your company. It's amazing how much we see where you go into a company and the recruiting team just doesn't have time. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you mean? I had a hundred applicants yesterday. I don't have time to talk to these people. <laughs> and that's a really important thing. <laughs> well, I, yeah, have you ever hired somebody that you haven't talked to? No, no, I haven't. Yeah. And, it's and, kind of important. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so that's really where, where the lights came on for us oh, is when wow. we recognized, Hey, there is this big gap in this, this hiring process and yeah. just happens to be really important. And that is there's nobody there to actually engage and talk with the candidates and and really deal with some of this the very top of the funnel problems. Fourteen yeah. percent of people's resumes and applications aren't accurate, right. but if you talk to them, you can find out yeah. and correct it. Yeah. And a lot of times, you'll find that candidates you thought were unqualified from looking at their LinkedIn profile or looking right. at something. Um, well, they applied because they were qualified. Yeah, yeah, and they just <laughs> they knew. Oh, it. I attached the wrong version of my my resume. It's two years out of date or whatever. It whatever. Might be. Yeah, right. yeah. So we find a lot of that. We also find a lot of things where um, you have candidates that apply for a, a job and don't understand what the job is. You know, oh, you think they're qualified yeah. for it and you're able to talk to them a little bit about it. And they go, yeah. oh, maybe I don't want to apply for that. Yeah. Well, job descriptions, I feel like, are super hard to write. And oftentimes, like, how do you really describe all of the nitty gritty of of a job half the time? It's, it's, it's hard. hard to do. It's really hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. So, so job descriptions um, are a real pain point because mm. most people have a hard time doing the, the kind of internal document where I'm going to describe what this job is, right. what the roles and responsibilities is and all that. Those are hard to do. Yeah. And then a lot of people, when they get those, they go, okay, I've got my job description. Now I'm just going to post that on the internet and hire people with it. And the problem is that is that job description, it might be a very accurate description of the job. But it is absolutely horrible marketing marketing copy, yeah. and it's absolutely terrible at persuading somebody to actually apply. Right? Yeah, it may be it may be well structured and describe the thing well, but that's that's different. Like providing information versus, yeah, maybe marketing language. Those are two very different things. 
you know, telling somebody yeah, that we're gonna yeah. we're gonna build, uh, you know, we're gonna build software for you know controlling swarms of drones mm-hmm. sounds a lot more exciting than if I went through the day in the life of a developer writing the software for that drone. Yeah. We'd have an awful lot of committing stuff in GitHub and a lot of project management and uh, probably working with a lot of tools that <laughs> that's true you don't want to work with. That's true, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, you know, at the end of that, that is what the job is. And so you kind of have two problems with job descriptions. One is writing a good job description. And then the other one is how do you write a good job ad yeah. that actually will get people, the people that you want right. engaged uh, and interested. We've, we've really, um, we really end up helping a lot of our clients with, with job descriptions more so than we ever thought we would. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just because we get in there and they're using the technical job description and nobody's rewritten it in a way that makes makes sense. Yeah, put a little bit of a sales spin on it, yeah. A little bit of that, a little bit of a, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of differentiating, a little mm-hmm. bit of... Uh, yeah, why work for us versus, you know, somebody else. That Yeah, that makes total sense. And then, then another thing people leave out in that is tell people what the process to get the job is. Tell them what the gauntlets looks like so they know what to expect next. That's, that is, uh, again, another thing that is, it seems obvious in my brain that I don't know that I would have thought I had thought about. Yeah. It, it, it's a frustration point for a lot of people applying for jobs, I bet. It, it is. And since, since, you know, you deal with software developers mm-hmm. here, um, the, the hiring process for software developers has become more and more. I think gauntlet is probably the right word to describe what we're putting a lot of developers yeah. through. And and there's a lot of good reasons for why it is that way. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's, I've never seen a profession where you have more people that can't do that job, True. try to get that job. True. Yeah. It's people want to get into this world. They, they want and to get hard. into it. It's yeah. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of curious. So if we look at and I, and I only understand a, a, a little bit about the like overall recruiting, I'm going to say ecosystems. Sure. Maybe that's not the right word. I think about, um, you know, uh, job board listing places like Indeed, uh, maybe ZipRecruiter would be in that, in that category to some degree. And then there's, there's like process tools, like maybe Lever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's assessments. Let's maybe think, thinking about like the engineering world, like leak code, I think is a, is a, pretty popular, well-known one. Where does Pivot CX fit inside of that ecosystem and maybe help me fill in some of the gaps that I'm, I don't even know about? So so what we're really doing is we're orchestrating that process. Okay. And, and we do so using a text, like text message driven, mm-hmm. driven workflow. And the reason we do it that way is uh, A, texting uh, works. 90% of the people get your message within three minutes. And one of the biggest problems in recruiting is I call and nobody answers. Yep. So, uh, when's the last time you answered a call from a number you don't know? Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, and the last time I did, they tried to sell me a car Correct. warranty. Correct. Yep. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I don't do it either. But texting is an easy way to screen and kind of understand. Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely is. So what we what we've learned really quickly, uh, and we just we did a study earlier this year on engagement with text messages, uh, and we found that across all industries, that most candidates will, if they apply for a job, they will respond to your text message within three minutes. Oh wow! So it's very, very fast. And that opens some new possibilities. So it it opens up some possibilities. I can communicate with the person right after they applied. So you said earlier, people apply to hundreds of jobs. Mm -hmm. They're not applying to jobs if they're talking to you. That's a good point. They're engaged in that conversation. If you engage people right away, you will slow slow the candidate down in in that job search. They will stop searching and start 
trying to get the job from you. Yeah. Well, and it's probably like that starts the candidate experience with that employer and probably differentiates them. It's a huge differentiator. You know, again, I say, you know, average time between somebody applies and when they get a response is about two weeks. 80% of job applicants never hear a response at all. So it's, it's really bad. And so you differentiate quite a bit just by being right on the spot, you know. Zach, you applied for you know, Java Developer 2. Mm-hmm. My name's Mike. I'm, I'm a recruiter, and I'm ready to get started on your application. Do you have time to talk? About 75% of people answer yes to that question. Wow. Within three minutes. Yeah. I'd say that that speeds up the process just a little bit. So you get things going faster at the beginning, and then we we tend to orchestrate a lot of um, a lot of the things that you would really prefer to do before you interview. Mm-hmm. Try to orchestrate that with the goal being to drive the qualified candidates to the recruiter so they can make a decision about presenting the candidate to a hiring manager. Right. And then after the that happens, the texting continues because we're already talking one phone number to another. Yeah. It's really easy to keep in touch with the candidate through that same phone number through the, the whole hiring process. Do, do they as a candidate, can they use that to inquire about, hey, where are we at with this or have a question about that? Every day, it's all the time. Okay. Every day, all the time. We, can, we do our, our thing two ways. One, one way is we sell our software as a kind of software as a service. Sure. Um, and, and that is the fastest growing part of our business. The other part of our business, so we started off doing the, the human-to-human chat. That part of our business actually is uh, doing really, really, really well. And, and we go into a lot of companies that just don't have the manpower to engage with all the candidates. And they know that they could hire if they could go a little quicker. And so we work with them to really get the internal process right so they can go fast. And then, you know, we, we accelerate that whole top of the recruiting funnel mm-hmm. so that somebody applies and we're getting them into an interview. We try to make it within 48 hours. Oh, wow. We try to get from apply to interview that quickly. Wow. And then after that, things tend to slow down a little bit because a lot of times you'll get into deeper technical screening and that kind of thing. But the whole goal is just to make it so everybody who's involved with recruiting is dealing with engaged and qualified people from minute one. Right. <laughs> So it, there's there's like some professional services consulting on top of software on top of of um, that engagement pro, uh, there, there call a product, cer- but there service. certainly can be some yeah. some professional services involved. Yeah. Some some of it, uh, you know, sometimes we get into a company where there are just some really deep problems, and and we actually partner with different HR consulting companies and talent acquisition consultants to come in and help deal with really really tough problems, yeah. and um, Actually, about 70% of our revenue comes through that partner channel where the consultant is bringing our software in. Oh, sure. And then a lot of times the consultant's going, you know what? Look, Zach, you got a great team, but you don't have the five people you need to keep up with this. Maybe you should just let them do it. And yeah. uh, we get quite a bit of our business just from you know consultants that are looking at how do I solve this hiring problem? And the truth is the candidates are out there. You can fill open positions. Yeah. If yeah. you can go fast enough to yeah. do it, this is this is not what I expected at the beginning of this conversation because you know, um, yeah, again, been been involved in recruiting and interviewing and hiring, right? But not at the at the broader you know view uh, within the company, just involved as a person. So uh, it's fascinating to me, but it it all it's it's interesting to me that sometimes the obvious gaps in in uh, tech, yes, are 
are that. They're they're kind of obvious once somebody explains it in a way that uh, you can kind of understand. It's like, uh, yeah, that makes total sense. I would have never thought about that ahead of time. There's one heck of an opportunity and a huge gap that you guys have identified. It, it's a huge gap, and th- there's a, there's a ra- you know there's a, a huge number of competitors that are racing sure. towards the gap with sure. all kinds of different solutions, ranging from chat bots. You know, I've, I think I've seen mobile apps, chat bots, I'm sure. um, all kinds of AI products. And, and ultimately, what we decided with, with, with what we're doing is that there really wasn't good software for doing a recruiting workflow that, that started in chat mm-hmm. and then was really built to, to deliver a really high-speed, great experience to the candidate, yeah. with the emphasis being on speed. And I think, I think you know this from software engineering. If you look at usability on software mm-hmm. – the speed, the responsiveness of the software usually is the most important factor in whether the user thinks it's any good. It, that's a big one. Yep. I mean, it's, it's so true. It, it's usually usually the big part of the score. And and uh, certainly when you get into web stuff and web advertising and digital advertising, response times and all of that are super critical. The faster the ads up, the more likely you are to get the click, all of that good stuff. Sure. And it's no different in recruiting. Well, and it, uh, you know, I found, and I, and I know AI will get better at this, but uh, it's, it's usually obvious, especially when the conversation's more nuanced that you're talking to a bot. Yes. That's not a great feeling. I don't like, I don't want to like, don't fake it to me. If it don't, don't make it, don't call it Melissa. You know what I mean? Like if, if it's an AI bot, like give me a person. Probably better for the bot not to call it Melissa. So people have lower expectations. Sure. <laughs> that's kind of what, that's kind of what I mean. You yeah. know, and I, I'm sorry if your name's Melissa, I'm not picking on that. It was just the name popped into my head. Uh, but um, to your point, like maybe there's a discrepancy on your resume. Maybe something doesn't make sense. Can you, can you program that nuance into an AI bot today? I don't know. Maybe you can, uh, but having a human being that can look and make a, uh, a judgment call of like, hey, um, this seems a little strange. Could you clarify this for me? And get and getting some of that information that might otherwise have been disqualified. That's that's pretty important. It makes a big difference. And and we, you know, it's for about fourteen percent of the candidates we mm-hmm. touch, we find some kind of inaccuracy. And, right. and a lot of times, that inaccuracy is exactly the thing that will check the qualified box. Right. Right. Uh, so it's it's pretty important. That's fourteen out of a hundred folks that apply that I get to now push through the process and, and maybe make three more, sure. throw, throw more offers out of, I, you know, whatever that might look like. And, and uh, the other place where the human judgment really makes a big difference is when you get people that are a little on the margin. Uh, uh, and I'll, yeah. I'll pick on a gentleman whose actual name is from New Jersey. His actual name is Vito. Okay. <laughs> and okay. he applied for a, a VP of finance position with mm-hmm. one of our clients. And, um, he wasn't qualified because he hadn't been in industry for two years. They required the, them to work in the industry within two years. Okay. Our, our chat agent, the human chat agent, like, this guy looks great. on His resume looks great. Yeah. It looks like he's had this exact job at another company that's very, that was one of our the competitors to. Oh, interesting. To our customer. And so our, our chat agent went ahead and sent the candidate on through to the, the recruiting team and said, hey, I think that you might want to talk to this guy. Mm-hmm. Turns out he wasn't the VP of finance at this other company. He was the chief financial officer from their biggest competitor. He had left. Oh, wow. His non-compete had just expired. Ah, yeah. And they found an incredibly good candidate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, that, and, and that I'm sure a computer probably wouldn't have understood that nuance and might have disqualified them altogether. I think the filter would have just 
concluded qualified equals false and we're right. done. <laughs> right. Ex- yeah. And, and, you know, send the vaguely worded thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. That's um, fascinating. So, so yeah. So, we the human intelligence thing does make a big difference right now. One day the AIs take over the earth, but not, Maybe. To, not today. <laughs> yeah, Skynet might be coming at some point in time. I it, don't know. It might. But re- really, the, the head, we, we really are kind of the anti-AI. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look, we do have chatbot capability sure. in our product and all of that. But what we found is really driving that human-to-human contact yeah. is the candidate experience differentiator. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's there's a place for AI. We we have an AI team here, sure. and um, they they've really uh, educated me over the last couple of years around the areas where AI is is great at, and the areas that it's not. Maybe yet. So one day, maybe it does. But you know, we're humans are still valuable, and I think in so. a lot of ways. So I, I, I think, think we're good there. I think you're totally right. <laughs> I think you're totally right. So um, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about maybe the product. I'm kind of curious, like, tell me a little bit about the SaaS product itself, the tech, um, where it fits in the process, and sure. we'll dig into that a little bit. So um, our product integrates with about uh, 30, 38 different applicant tracking systems. So you mentioned uh, Lever. Yep, we can plug yep. our software into Lever. Okay. Um, the way it works is everybody who applies, we have it set up so that automatically can drive uh, an, a conversation. We start the conversation with an automatic message. And then when the candidate replies to that message, if it's the appropriate response, we connect them to either one of your recruiters or if you're using our chat team, one of our people. Okay. But the, bottom, the, the idea here is let's make it so if somebody applies, we're able to engage very, very quickly. We can also take a list of candidates that have been sourced Mm -hmm. and then text everybody on the list and then do the same thing. If they reply, we automatically put them into that conversation. Mass marketing campaign kind of, kinds of maybe behaviors and capabilities. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, right now, I think, I think today we'll probably send out about uh, nine, I think we have 90,000 sourced contacts that are going to get messaged today for different companies. And um, it's tremendously effective. A lot of companies um, don't know this, or at least they they don't operate this way, but about 30% of your hires should come out of people that applied for a job with your company before. Oh sure. Oh yeah. Other, they've showed some interest already. Well, they showed some interest. They, they maybe they applied two years ago, didn't take the job. Maybe they applied two years ago, didn't have the years of experience. Mm-hmm. Two years later, they do. Um, but most companies do a terrible job of curating the candidates that they've talked to. Mm-hmm. And we found texting is a great way to reengage those yeah. candidates because we're able to go, "Hey, uh, you applied for you applied for that AI developer position last year." Yeah. Um, we have a similar job open right now. Are you interested? And if they say yes, instead of sending them a link saying, okay, you can apply here. Right. Yeah. Let's, say, let's start talking. Oh, hi, I'm Mike. I'm a recruiter with software engineering professionals. Yeah. I am uh, ready to start working on your application. Yeah. Do you have time? That's great. <laughs> and, and of course, they're going to say yes. And, you know, with software developers, our, our experience has been this process gets people hired before most of the recruiters that they applied for mm-hmm. jobs elsewhere. Even reach out to them. Even reach out to wow. them. Wow. Well, yeah, had, it takes two and a half weeks. Yeah. I've had developers on my payroll for two weeks before they start getting calls from from the other guy. Wow. And it's it's almost funny because, you know, with software developers, we, we kind of get into what we're doing. We get busy. And uh, as long as I'm getting paid decently and I like what I'm doing, sure, I don't want to talk to recruiters anymore. Yeah. I just made this decision. I'm starting to get settled in. Like, I'm I, I, alone. I, yeah, yeah. I don't need a job. Yeah. I already got one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Problem oh, solved. Oh, man. 
Um, uh, funny stat for you. 90% of candidates will take the first job they're offered. Really? 90%. And that's been that way for about 10 years. I'm actually really surprised by that, especially in the last few years with the way the labor market has been. You've got probably three or four different companies that might have within a short period of time. Well, I don't know if they're, if the average is two and a half weeks, there's a low end and a high end on that band. Yeah. Once you start letting it get competitive, it gets harder. But, but if you're the first company that sends out that offer Mm -hmm. is much more likely to get, I accept. Wow. So it really is, uh, uh, Speed and efficiency is is more important maybe than some companies are realizing up to this point. It's a lot more important. There is another side to this. You know, there is the whole qualitative side of it, where mm-hmm. is this person the right person and, you know, cultural fit, all that stuff. That's all very important. Mm-hmm. And so, so what we've really been helping a lot of companies do is learn how to go fast and be accurate. Yeah. And that engagement within your platform uh, I would imagine kind of lowers the barrier for, you know, multi-tooling. I don't have to also log into my, you know, my ATS. Right. I don't also have to log into my, maybe you use a elite code kind of thing. Your your platform tries to bring those things into a single cohesive system. We we try our best to. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Like yeah. if you, go look at the, you go look at the ecosystem in recruiting. I think uh, we were looking at this yesterday. There's a company called Talent Tech Labs that puts okay. out a really good, re- uh, really good report that shows the whole HR tech ecosystem. I'm sure. There are over 5,000 vendors in that ecosystem. Wow. I'm not surprised by that. So, that's, a, that's a big number. You know, we try to support the big ones. Mm-hmm. And then and then a lot of times we end up with getting client-driven into, hey, we have this testing system we're using. There's assessment tool that we love. Um, you know, could you guys make that work? Yeah. And what we find is just with assessments and that kind of thing, if we're doing it pre-interview and we're texting, we can get about 70% of the candidates to take the test. Oh, wow. That's pretty high, actually. It is. It's remarkably high. But a lot of it has to do with speed. You know, I think I think it has to do with the fact we're asking that, you know, I, I gave you a great experience right away. We're yeah. serious about it. You know, yeah. we talked to you human to human. Mm-hmm. We told you from the beginning that there's an assessment coming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that expectation ahead of time. And, yeah. and then when we get to the part where we go, okay, the next step is to take the assessment. Mm-hmm. And if uh, that goes well, the next step after that will be an interview and then potentially a decision about a, about a job. Wow. Does that sound good? Yeah. And, you know, 90% of the time, the candidate will say yes. Wow. So um, uh, your, this, I'm assuming this is like a, a web app? Absolutely. It's web-based. Yeah. Um, we, we actually built the app. Uh, and then we, we decided, hey, let's do this PWA thing. And PWA progressive web app. So, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yep. you know, okay, let's do the PWA thing. And uh, that was great because it works fantastically well mm-hmm. on Android. Um, mm. I, iOS is, it's not quite there uh, where Apple doesn't support PWAs the way we want. We'll probably probably bite the bullet and do an iOS app sometime in the next year. Um, but most of our users are, are going to be recruiters that are sitting at a desk. So web, web works fantastically well. To all the candidates, um, the beautiful thing is they don't have to install any software or anything. Yeah, it's they just, just text, text messages. messages. Yeah. And the software is already on their phone. I don't have to try to get some app installed. Right. Um, I don't even have to try to get them to fill out forms on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get used, our software gets used to do some data capture just where people have like five questions they want to ask you and have catch the answers and get it into their applicant tracking system. Right. We do that. And you, you know, earlier you talked about the, like the challenges of curating Mm -hmm. this whole, this whole like list of past, uh, that's probably more challenging than I even understand for a single company, but making that easier for them 
is another value prop from your platform's perspective. You would you would think it would be with the amount of money that that gets spent on applicant tracking software mm-hmm. and, and employment CRMs mm-hmm. or recruiting CRMs and all that. You would you would think that most companies would be really good at that. It is amazing how many companies we work with that have spent. You know, they're spending, you know, upwards ten, twenty thousand dollars a month on HR software. Wow. Yeah. And then you go, look, we, we need to hire a job developer. Can you just send a message out to all the developers that interviewed with us in the past? Mm-hmm. And they can't do it. Wow. And it's because everything is kind of been siloed sure. and, and some of it's regulatory compliance. Some of it is just nobody knew better. Mm, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, data, data is hard. It is. It's very hard and making that easy for people. I'm sure that, may, that that's an, that's an easy buy button in my mind. If you could make it easy for me to do something that in my head should be relatively again, simple, not necessarily easy. Uh, yeah. I'd buy that. Yeah, that's, that's our one of the things our software does really well is we can pull in the past applicants, get them segmented, get them mm-hmm. into groups, and then get it to where we can actually go. Okay, message all the Java developers. Okay, message all the database people. Okay, message all yeah. the truck drivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, make it really, really easy. So the first thing you do, you know, we like to see is okay. So you need to make a hire. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to text all the candidates we've already talked to. Sure. Yeah. The second thing we're going to do is get the ad up on the job board so you can get some active applicants. Um, the reason active people are really important right now is you can actually hire them. Mm-hmm. The other kind of candidate, the passive candidate, that's the person that has a job somewhere else and you have to have a recruiter actually get a hold of them right. first. Yeah. They may not necessarily be looking, but if you hit them up with the right thing, maybe they're open to it. Yes. Kind of you got to yeah. have the, the the correct alignment of the planets Okay, and then you can get to them. It, I would imagine, and I don't know that we have time to dig into that too deeply, but there's a, I would imagine there's an art to that. Like, how do you, how do you know if somebody is open to an opportunity? Well, um, I think the way we do it, works pretty well, which is we send them a text message. And if they say, yes, they're interested, then instead of waiting around, we we get started with them right away. Right. If they say no, then we leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So it really is like, let's just hit everybody. And because it's so easy to say yes or no, somebody that might be on the fence might be like, "Eh, sure, I'll I'll take a meeting. I'll tell you what, we, we've seen it. I mean, yeah. people who have uh, had just got out of an argument with their boss and got the text message right mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Job offer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. Um, you really, you know, as a recruiter, you're looking for moments. You're looking for those yeah. moments where somebody's open to yeah. a conversation. So, uh, you know, we think text messaging is a great way to create that little moment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm sick of LinkedIn messages. Oh, yeah. I, oh, too too much of that and then and then the problem with a lot of that that kind of messaging is we all know what happens next we get right. the message we say yes and then it just gets diverted back into the yeah okay now it goes to a wait waiting. process yeah. yeah yeah that's not cool no it's not it yeah i'm i'm with him i and i know especially in in our world i'm i'm not one of the smart people here i'm not an engineer uh or or a maker uh an engineer product design all, all of those categories i can imagine they get hit up multiple times a day and that be, that noise it's hard to get some signal through that noise it, it really is and, and then you add to that that most engineers are doing it some of them are doing it for the money but sure. most of them are doing it most tech people are doing it because they yeah honestly if they had a choice of what to do today most of them would be playing around with some tech it's probably true 
probably very true. Anyway, right? they're yeah. doing it because they like doing it. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, and, they get and, behind it. And so if you don't, if you don't have a way to to get through that, to get through all the defense, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I'm I'm a Python developer by career, uh, and uh, you know, I get hit up all the time by recruiters, okay. and I, I've you know, spend a lot of time making sure their emails don't reach me and making sure that if they call me, they get the voicemail. And and it's rare that I actually, somebody gets through that. And almost every developer I know that's been doing this for a while yeah. has done the same thing. Um, yeah, because when they decide they want to do something, they can go figure it out on their own. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's true. Well, Mike, what is, uh, what's one thing as we wrap up here that you think... Um, is important for companies that maybe haven't started to tackle this problem or and they're maybe starting to feel the pain should understand about maybe how pivot cx can can help them but maybe the things that they should be thinking about well, i think the first thing that every company needs to realize is that the talent crisis we have right now is not going to go away mm-hmm. and we all need to be rethinking how we're engaging with candidates um, we need to really think about, are we behaving in a way that makes it easy for the candidate to say, yeah, I want to work for you? Yeah. Or are we doing everything we can to make it so only the most dedicated, determined bureaucracy lovers, yeah. people who just love bureaucracy for the sake of bureaucracy, will finish the process? Yeah. It's so important to look at recruiting and go, how do we go fast? Because honestly, if you want to give a great candidate experience, speed is where it's at. And, you know, I told you earlier, 90% of the people take the first job they're offered. Yeah. If you want to win at recruiting, pick first, yep. make the first offer. Yeah. That's how you do it. Because you can go fast without sacrificing quality. I think you can. Yeah. I think you can. I mean, we every day we we watch it play out and it it absolutely works. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Mike, thank you for spending some time with me, brother. No, thanks so much, Zach. Really enjoyed being here. Appreciate it. 